Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 269 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is From No to Success, an interview with Leanne Pearson. My name is Richard Johannesson, and I was blessed to work with my special co-host and friend, Maria Mooney, on this podcast. Leanne Pearson is a country rock singer-songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee, and Winnipeg, Canada. She has written and produced several songs, including Miles Away, Little Man, and the TikTok famous Catter Day. Ms. Pearson's professional and personal life plans were more times than not rejected by her family, friends, and teachers. She was told she could not be a professional singer-songwriter, and she was told she was not sick during her lengthy diagnostic journey. No was a constant theme in Ms. Pearson's early life. Despite all the naysayers, she is a highly regarded singer-songwriter. She found a naturopathic doctor that finally tied together her random symptoms and diagnosed her with Lyme disease, and she is now healthy enough to be a new mom. Without further ado, we are excited to introduce country rock sensation, Leanne Pearson. Hello, Leanne Pearson, and welcome to the Tick Bootcamp podcast. Thank you for having me. We are really excited, and I'm more excited than usual because one of my favorite people is co-hosting with me today, one of our early guests and one of our one of the members of the Tick Bootcamp family, and now we're making her an official member of the family, not just because she was a guest, but now she is a co-host. So Maria, please say hi to the folks. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Matt Rich. You're like a second family to me by now. And it's always so wonderful to be asked to be on here. It's an absolute honor. Happy to be here. Well, don't be too nice, Maria, because I may make you a regular. I, I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking about firing Matt. And now, now that I have one of my favorite people posing with me, it will make, make my well, much more I'm enjoyable. Sure, I'm sure you know, and a fumble slip and you'll be like, she's out because <laughs> I'm, I'm from the East coast too. <laughs> so Leanne, talk to us about where you're currently living, because I know uh, you're married to an American. You were living in the U S for a while. You're now back in Canada. So talk to us about where you are currently living. Well, currently I am in uh, the U S again. I'm in Indiana uh, visiting my husband's family. And so we're kind of just just back and forth between Canada and the US at the moment. And of course, we always love our Canadian guests in part because they're just like the nicest North Americans. Um, and in part because they say about, so I always know who's from Canada because we say about very differently. Maria and I, of course, will be speaking very differently. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so Leanne, so talk to us about what it was like growing up in Canada. I loved growing up in Canada. I uh, I loved the snow and I loved looking outside and seeing blue skies and snow and beautiful summers. And uh, everybody's just, like you said, just nice. And, and Canada is just a great place to be. So Canada, you know, at least from the standpoint of your Southern neighbors, not only do we think you're the nice North Americans because we're all <laughs> cranky down here, but we also think of Canada as a sort of, you know, really beautiful outdoorsy kind of culture. Is that uh, what your childhood was like? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's no temperature that can stop us from doing anything. It's never too hot and it's never too cold. And even on the coldest uh, days this past winter, people were out walking their dogs and they put their snowsuits on and they went out uh, tobogganing or for walks and it just it didn't matter if your eyelashes froze and your nostril hairs froze to the side of your nose you were outside <laughs> so it's really interesting that Canadians are so tough and that they're willing to um, fight through the cold and spend their time outdoors but you know Canadians also have risks 
uh, when they're outdoorsy during the warm weather, right? So um, talk, to us about, uh, talk to us about what you knew about ticks and tick diseases when you're growing up as an outdoorsy gal in Canada. Yeah, I mean, I'll say that most people talked about mosquitoes. Uh, especially where I'm from, it's mosquitoes are just bad. So it was growing up, it was always, oh, you don't want West Nile and better put your bug spray on and cover up when you go up by the bonfire in the summer. And so there was this, oh, don't have standing water in your yard. I uh, got to flip everything upside down after it rains because it was always mosquitoes was, was what everyone talked about. And if you got bit by a mosquito, you'd have that anxiety of, oh, no, no, they took my blood. And, and so we knew about the only reason we really knew about uh, ticks growing up was because of pets. If you had pets, you knew about ticks because you worry about your dog and you check your dog and, and then, then cats too. At first it was really, you only thought a dog could get it. And then you realize cats could too. But so we were always checking our dog for ticks and, and finding them. Honestly, we found them all the time in the summer. We, we grew up outside of the city in, in the summer times and we were picking them off with the um, like eyebrow pluckers and, and you're picking it off and you're burning it. And that, so that's, we knew about ticks because of dogs. Okay, so, and this is of course interesting, right? So, so you, you folks, at least in the part of Canada where you were growing up were concerned about vectors. You were concerned about what would happen if a mosquito would bite you and what a mosquito would spit into you and ultimately could cause you to get sick. West Nile being one of the diseases that you're aware of. You were tick aware because your pets would have ticks, but there was no crossover between your concern about what a vector could spit into you from a tick bite. 100%. I don't even think people really understood that how you got West Nile and, and when a mosquito bit you that they weren't just sucking blood, which was the myth that they were actually like, you could get something from them. I don't think people understood that when they when a, you got West Nile, they're like you said, it's a vector, right? So I don't think people understood that they're taking something and putting something in. Okay, so let's, let's pause there for a second. So talk, talk about what the educational system was like in Canada. We, 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 as your Southern neighbors, generally admire the Canadian educational system. Is, was it a good system or we just, uh, we just think everything's good about Canada because we don't live there? I, I think the knowledge of other parts of the world exists more in Canada than elsewhere, I think, because in the Canadian educational system, we had to learn the U.S. presidents and we're like, why do we need to know this? And we learned the map of the U.S. And gosh, do I remember it? No, I don't. When I married my husband, I was like, I am determined. And I took all these like one minute tests on the Internet so that I could try to get name every single state in one minute. And I got it one day. But then the memory things and it's gone. So that's on my to do list is I want to go back and refresh all that. But yeah, we learned about other parts of the world and it was part of, you know, social studies and history class and everything. And then uh, when I started coming to the U.S. frequently and speaking to people, I just thought that that was the educational system everywhere that you learned about other parts of the world. And and it just wasn't that that way. And I think that's why Canadians are so nice and well-rounded. And, you know, it's not to say other people around the world aren't at all, you know, but but we we were forced to learn about a wide variety of things. Let's talk about what you learned about your own country and your own environment, right? Because uh, what I really want to focus on is when you were taking your science classes, when you were taking your health classes, you were 
apparently learning about vectors. You were learning about mosquitoes, but it sounds like you really didn't learn a whole lot about that to keep you safe. And you certainly didn't learn anything about ticks despite having this diverse educational opportunity available to you. Yeah, that's exactly my point is that we were, you know, in school and on the news and everything. We're always learning about about such a wide variety of things that I forget now. Right. That that's the point is I don't remember the U.S. presidents and I don't remember the Canadian prime ministers. I don't remember any of that. You know, why is there not educational systems in place that are teaching us things we need to know and that that matter and things we will actually remember? You know, even in math class, you know, I don't remember anything from math class. Why aren't there classes about world things like ticks and mosquitoes and, you know, Alzheimer's and mm. uh, just anything really cancer? Why, why aren't we being taught in school things that could potentially affect us or our families growing up? Mm-hmm. So talk to us about when you were a young person in Canada, what was your vision for yourself? You're now a singer-songwriter and, and, and you're one of some note, right? I mean, I, I actually listened to a lot of your, your work on Spotify recently and, and you're an oppressive singer-songwriter. Was that something you always thought you were going to do or is this something, um, is this something that came to you later? Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. I, I always knew that I wanted to be a, uh, a singer and so growing up in school, you're always asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd say singer. And everyone else is like doctor, lawyer, pilot. And I'm like, singer. And they're like, you're weird. So I got <laughs> called weird a lot growing up because I was the weird one writing songs and singing in my bedroom. And the artsy in, one, in right? Canada? Wait, in Canada, they call each other weird the way we do in New York? Yes, I was the weird one. And I grew up being called weird all the time. And it was just because I was a creative person and I expressed myself differently than other people. And I was just weird. <laughs> so talk to us about, about how you ultimately developed this, uh, this dream of becoming what is now a, a professional and a noted singer songwriter. Yeah, I mean, I discovered instruments and uh, I discovered songwriting. The songs were terrible, <laughs> but I discovered songwriting. I went into the studio and I just ultimately fell in love with it. And and so I think my son's crying. Can you hear him? We, we can't hear him, but he's certainly welcome to join us. We, he's uh, like, mom, <laughs> mom. Um, well, he can't say mom yet, but I'm working on that being his first word. So, <laughs> but my husband wants it to be dad. So I, we'll I, see. I have to admit, uh, of my, I only had one child say dad first. Three of the four said mom first, but oh, uh, wow. I say dad. So I will have to tell you that I don't have favorite, favorites except for the one that said dad first. Dad. Yeah, perfect. That's great. I will keep working on him saying mom first. <laughs> so what was the question again? <laughs> so the question was, um, just share with us what the path was from, yes. you know, this young gal in Canada who's considered the weird kid who has this artistic way of, of presenting herself to ultimately becoming a successful sing- singer songwriter whose who's work is on Spotify and many other places. Yeah, I mean, persistence. I think it's persistence and determination and just not taking no for an answer. And growing up, I just heard the word no a lot. You know, I, I would try out for Canadian Idol, which is the same as American Idol, but for Canadians. And and I would hear no and I would show up and I would, you know, do my hair when I was younger and I would pick my favorite outfit and pick my song and practice it. And I'd show up and they'd go, no. And I'd write a song and I'd 
show it to someone and they go, no. And I just heard no a lot that I think instead of it kicking me in the butt and making me feel sad, I think it kicked me in the butt and gave me more inspiration to want to do better and be better and pursue things further. So now as you were hearing no, and we, we need to build out a little bit your, your Lyme story here. We are a Lyme disease podcast. Um, as you were hearing no, uh, as you were pursuing your dreams and as you were pursuing your artistic interests, um, you also had, uh, I guess, a part of your body saying no as well because you weren't feeling well. So talk to us about when your symptoms first began to develop and how is that interfering with your artistic pursuits? I mean, I was in the children's hospital when I was really, really young. That's something most people don't know because I don't really talk about it, but I had septic hip, which is a bacterial infection that I, I could have died from if it wasn't caught. Um, and it was, so I had a emergency surgery. They kind of scraped the infection out. I got a big scar on my hip now. And I spent a lot of time in the children's hospital when I was younger on IV and heavy, heavy amounts of antibiotics when I was younger. Um, and so I basically was a bubble child, uh, for you know how many years of my life where I, the, my parents weren't allowed to, there was no stress in the house. I could do something and I wasn't allowed to get yelled at. I couldn't be disciplined, had to keep the stress level down. Um, I was just a bubble, bubble child. And mm. so growing up, I because of being on such heavy antibiotics, I think it killed my immune system at such a young age. So I was always sick. I had everything i've had everything and i would always go to my parents and say my ear hurts or my head hurts or my throat hurts or my toe hurts and so people just stopped believing me but anytime that i complained of something i was in fact sick and so i think that you know i love my parents to death but i think that it it, it took me complaining about you know one time they'd take me and then eventually i had to complain two times and they'd take me to the doctor and then it was three times and i'd and so that the duration of of me being sick just kept getting longer and longer until people would actually listen to me and so uh fast forward till i'm older and i can now make my own you know doctor's appointment and drive myself to the doctor and i was at the doctor's office all the time and i was always sick and it was always some kind of bacterial infection that involved antibiotics so I now am resistant to amoxicillin, which is one of the number one oh, antibiotics. Wow. It does nothing for me. Um, wow. And there's a few that that are now slightly more ineffective than they used to be for me as well. So, so it, I've had so many antibiotics that it, my immune system just kind of maybe isn't there or what what the reasoning is, I don't know. but. I just spent my whole life being sick. And you go back to the hearing no, I heard that a lot, even with my health was, uh -huh. I have an ear infection. No, you're fine. Okay. I have a sore throat. There's pus all over my throat. I can see it. No, you're fine. Uh -huh. So I just heard that growing up so much that, that once I got really, really sick, I just kept saying in my own head, no, you're uh -huh. fine. No, you're uh -huh. fine. And I'd go to a doctor and I'd say, this is what's wrong with me. And they'd say, no, you're fine. And so eventually um, doctors started taking blood work and uh, and basically having a baseline and following all this inflammation in my body and, you know, diagnosing me with all these different things. And I'm thinking to, in my head, like, there's just no way one person has all these things. There's no way one person needs to see this many specialists. There's no way. And mm -hmm. I thought in my head, everything's got to be connected, but how? Right. And so then introduces Lyme disease and you realize, wow, 
it really is all connected. Okay, so now now I have a whole lot to unpack. <laughs> very excited. So let's 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 give folks a timeline here. Um, you said that you you were you were sickly from a very young age, where you had your time in the children's hospital, and then you ultimately were diagnosed with Lyme disease. So what is that window of time between when you first had your 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 time in the children's hospital to the time when you were finally diagnosed with Lyme disease? 25 years, you know, 20 years. It was a long, long time. And did I have Lyme disease when I was really young? We'll just never know, right? Well, I was on, because I was on so many antibiotics all the time. So if I did have it, I would, those antibiotics would theoretically beat down that bacteria and that infection, and then it would grow again and manifest mm -hmm. again. And then it would, what, who knows, right? You don't know what a young body is 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 going through. Well, let's talk about it, right? So, so do you ever yeah. remember being bitten by a tick? I have had lots of weird insects on me growing up. <laughs> I was an outdoor child, and and I had ticks, and I had um, I had everything on me because I just was always outside. Right. So, and and I'm not sure that everything is such a straight line, right? Because part of what we talk with guests about is the possibility that they contracted Lyme congenitally, that their mom had Lyme disease, and they had Lyme disease their entire life. Now, and you sound like you may be one of those candidates because you were sickly for your entire life that you may have been you may have been dealing with Lyme disease your entire life, and because of that, although it manifested in different ways, it was beating down your immune system, and it would present as as the problem with your hip. It would present as the problem with your throat. It would present because your immune system was being was being suppressed by the Lyme disease, right? That's one way of looking at this. Another way of looking at it is that you had a compromised immune system. It could be genetically, it could be because you had other illnesses and then you got bitten by a tick and the, and the bacteria took off because your, your immune system didn't have the ability to protect against it. And I guess it doesn't really matter whether it's the chicken or the egg, but it took a long time for you to be diagnosed. And that diagnostic journey was made longer in part because um, your family was, was telling you to suck it up um, you had some questions in your own head and it wasn't until you ultimately became independent and you started taking responsibility for your own care that you were finally get, able to get a diagnosis. That's exactly it. I mean, for as a young girl and you, you tell people you don't feel well and every time you go to the doctor, they go, yeah, she's got strep throat again. Yeah, she's got um, tonsillitis again. And uh, it, it, was, it seemed to always be my throat that was at a certain, between, I don't know, let's say, 10 and and the time I had I had a tonsillectomy so I had my tonsils removed from 10 to about whenever age I was 20 something it was always my throat because I was using it to sing all the time right so not only am I singing with it but I'm talking with it so it's the same as if I just do a bicep curl on just my right arm all the time it, it, my arm's going to be sore right so it's the same thing so all of that just went to my throat and then eventually those tonsils were harboring infection and the infection never actually went away. So it kept reinfecting itself, reinfecting itself. Eventually they were so swollen, I had issues. So, so this is, you know, kind of fast forwarding on into my, into my life with, with Lyme disease, but I eventually, an ENT got introduced into my life and um, we removed my tonsils and no more throat infection. So what was harboring that infection that we knew of was removed. And so I just, you know, don't get sore throats often anymore. I don't get any of those infections, but um, she started doing checkups on me. And actually because of having COVID while pregnant recently and, and uh, shingles and laryngitis and all this stuff within the last, you know, 
since in December. Um, I am now due in two to three weeks to have another checkup on my vocal cords, my nose, my eyes, all that kind of stuff to make sure everything's okay as a result of those infections. And so she caught that one of my vocal cords was paralyzed. And so I was having um, laryngitis a lot and, and, a, and a raspy voice, which sometimes you can still kind of hear when I'm talking. And so she did this test on me and, and said, yeah, I mean, you're, I think it was my left one. She said, yeah, it's, it's paralyzed. It's not moving. Just your right one is working. So she put me on vocal rest for a, a while. I had to cancel a bunch of shows. And, um, and, and then you, you kind of hear a little bit about Shania Twain's story, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing as as most people who are listening right now are probably aware of her situation. She lost her voice. And so I essentially lost my voice, you know, but half of my voice. And so I couldn't I couldn't sing. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do any of those things to try to rest that voice. Ultimately, resting it caused that vocal cord to unparalyze itself. Now I have a raspy voice again. Is it paralyzed again? I don't know. Is that Lyme disease? I don't know, right? So talk to us about the Lyme disease diagnosis and what other diagnosis did you have before you had Lyme disease? Everything, you name it, I've had absolutely everything. And it's, it's almost like the girl who cried wolf, except everything I'm crying is real. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you kind of go down this list and you just kind of have to chuckle because you're like, wow, you're sick again. So even my friends too, not only did I hear no in my health journey in my music career, but I had to say no a lot. You know, hey, we're going out tonight, you wanna come? No, I'm not feeling well. And, and I just had to say no a lot. And I learned to just listen to my own body and trust my own instincts of, I can't do this right now because I don't feel well. Or I'm gonna go out with my friends, but I'm gonna be home by 11 so I can sleep well. So I had to make all these decisions and knowing I wasn't well, but not knowing what it was. So eventually I got in touch with a, uh, a naturopath. They're ultimately who diagnosed me, but they diagnosed me because that that's their world, right? That's their world. Mm -hmm. And so I went to all these different doctors and they would just push me here. Let's send you to a neurologist because you have migraines. Let's send you to a dermatologist because you have rashes. Let's send you here to this. And I just got thrown around to so many different doctors till eventually my cell phone is just doctor this, doctor that, doctor that, doctor. You just type in D on my phone and I'm telling you there's a million doctors. You need one? Mm -hmm. I, I got one for you. <laughs> <laughs> She's got the reference. <laughs> I got them all. So, Leanne, so you were, you were, you know, the proverbial elephant that had a different doctor blindfolded touching a different part of the elephant and no one was looking at the entire elephant until, and please excuse the metaphor, it's just mm -hmm. a metaphor, but no one looked at the entire elephant until you went to a naturopathic doctor and when you went to a naturopath, that doctor tied all of these different symptoms together that all the specialists were looking at with, you know, through the prism of their specialty and told you, hey, I think there's something that all of these things have in common. 100%. And I would go to a, a specialist and I would try to tell them the bigger picture, whether it related to their specialty or not, I wanted them to know the big picture. So even, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on it later, but even having the COVID and, and everything while pregnant, and now I've got some nerve, nerve issues in my hands, 
I went to, you know, this doctor two months ago about a nerve issue in my hand. And I told him the whole story of everything. And I said, you're not going to believe me, but blank. And I briefly explained everything. And I said, I don't know if it's related or not, but this is my whole story. So eventually I just started going to doctors with a cover letter <laughs> and the cover letter had dates and it had blood results and it had everything on this cover letter and I would walk in and I would hand it to them and I'm telling you nine times out of ten they never even looked at it the only person who did was a naturopath okay now you said you knew excuse me you knew there was a thread from from your childhood there was a thread that tied everything together your gut was telling you there's a thread that was tying everything together but you could never get a doctor it seems to help you to look at that thread until you found the naturopathic doctor. That's exactly it. I mean, even from a young age, just asking for help and not getting it, um, I just kind of learned to just be a tough cookie because if something hurts, you know, and now now let's say even in, in childbirth, is my pain tolerance skewed? I don't know because I sucked it up a lot growing up. That's mm -hmm. how I was raised and what I was told to do. So if someone says, you know, you just stubbed your toe, rate it on a one to 10. I just can't, mm -hmm. I just can't rate things on a one to 10 because there, what's my one to 10 to your one to 10 to someone else's yeah. cause I've just sucked it up my whole life. Yes. Okay. So you're, you're growing up in the suck it up culture. You're hearing <laughs> a lot of no's from your, from your parents, you're hearing a lot of no's from people in the educational system. You're hearing a lot of no's and sort of giving back a lot of no's in the social environment. Talk to us about how that became an inspiration for you as an artist. I wanted to control what I could. I wanted to tell a story and just be positive and just laugh. And I think that music was my outlet in order to do that. And uh, my grandparents were, were big inspirations in my life. So I always knew I was gonna move to Nashville, but I wouldn't do it as long as my grandparents were alive because they were my best friends, my biggest supporters, and I just loved them to death. And so um, basically as soon as they all passed away, you know, that's when I went to Nashville. And some people would say, well, why didn't you go earlier? And it's like, cause I loved them. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so they played a big factor in when everything happened with me actually chasing full time music. And I wanted to pursue education as well. So to me, it was I'm not pursuing this full time and relocating anywhere until I get a degree, until mm -hmm. I'm finished university. So some of you who are listening to this are in the States where you call it college, but it's the same thing, just mm -hmm. university in Canada. And so I chased my education and I stayed with my family when they needed me and well, well, I could. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so one Nana was blind and one was deaf. And so I grew up seeing two massively different sides of the world. Wow. And, and so, the, you know, the blind Nana, um, she could hear my singing voice, but she could never see me on stage. She could never watch a music video. She, she could never see me in the living room, you know, flailing my arms around while I'm singing Celine Dion. But the other Nana, she got to watch that, but she couldn't hear that. And so I don't think I really realized how the impact of that in my life until they were gone and until I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and until I got really, really sick and thought, who's the first person I'm going to call? And they weren't there. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's who I need to talk to because they see life or hear life the way I do. 
and, and I needed to speak to them and they weren't there. And so there was this moment in my life where it was like music was just my outlet. I, I wrote about it and I, I performed about it and I sang about it and, and it, it, it just helped me. So now let's talk about um, the pain and how you dealt with the pain prior to your diagnosis, right? This was a, this was, this was very difficult, right? You had, you had, um, you had folks calling you a weirdo. You had uh, folks saying no to you. Uh, you had folks, um, you know, you had your social uh, no's. Uh, how did you deal with that pain that you were feeling? Did you face it? Did you put it in a box? I mean, how did you deal with the pain? I think I, I always liked to talk about things and be honest and communicate. And I think there was a certain point in my life where I kind of went into a shell and didn't talk about it because nobody listened. And like you said, I was called a weirdo. And even into university, I would hang out with my big group of friends and I would say something and everyone would go, you're so weird, Leanne. So I just thought like, I'm just weird. You know, I'm, I'm the weird sick kid. And eventually mm -hmm. I just owned it. And I just thought that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. And I just embraced it and realized I'm sick and no doctor can figure it out. No family member, no friend, nobody understands what it's like to be me. And I realized that I just had to embrace that. And I just became the weird sick kid and just never talked about it and never complained anymore. And and just dealt with it on my own through music. But my music was never negative and sad. It was always positive because I had too much of that negative sad in my brain and in my body and in myself that I didn't want to have that shared with the world. All my songs were, were happy. So, you know, one of the things that, uh, for example, Susan Cain, who wrote the book Bittersweet, which I'm actually reading now, argues is that if we, um, if we put our pain or our sadness in a box, it's ultimately going to leak out. And when it mm -hmm. leaks out, unfortunately, because we're not dealing with it, in many cases, we hurt other people. You know, that whole concept of hurting people, hurting people. Did any of that happen to you? Did any of it leak out when you were putting it in the box? Were, there's any, were, were there any people that you were lashing out at or maybe even being less than kind to because you weren't able to have a way of uh, publicly dealing with your, uh, your, your pain? I think that's, yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it because it's a box and you close it. And eventually there's so much stuff in the box that it, what happens? It just overflows and it's all about how you deal with it. And I think that I just tried to deal with it by, by not talking about it. And so when I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, I, I didn't really even know what to do. And my first call was to a family member who I won't mention. Um, but my first call would have been my grandparents and, and, you know, my Nana wasn't there at the time and she would have been my first call, but it was a family member. And the family member just said like, I don't have time for this. I'm busy. And, and you don't have that. That's not real, but I'm sitting there on the floor mm. sobbing, thinking, what does this mean? Is my life over? Who am I? I just went how many years being sick. And now I know what it is. What do I do? And I just didn't have that support. And so what I did was I turned to social media which if we fast forward again to talk, if, if this kind of comes full circle to talk about what happened recently with my pregnancy and COVID, it was the same thing. I turned to social media because I couldn't get 
the help. The doctors weren't there. Ultimately, I got COVID during uh, Christmas holidays and New Year's, and there was no doctors readily available for me to ask questions to. So I use social media as a tool to say, this is what I have. Have you dealt with this? Reach out to me. And with COVID and pregnancy, I got a massive amount of people reaching out, sharing their stories and asking me questions. And then ultimately it blew up with me, uh, you know, being on a bunch of outlets and sharing my story. And so it's the same thing, you know, going back to to this. I just turned to social media and said, this is what I have. I don't know how to talk about it. I'm not ready to explain to you everything. I did a blog post on my website and said, when I have more info, I'll tell you. But right now, this is what's going on. And and so I had a bunch of friends reach out and say, I'm kind of offended that you posted about this publicly without calling me and telling me. So and Leah, so let's, then let's, it, let's pause there for a second. I want to walk you back to one because my social media expert is going to take over in a minute. Maria is going to take over in a minute. It, it's going to be her turn to talk to you about your healing journey. But I do want to talk to you about your diagnostic journey for one more minute. And then, then uh, I'll let uh, Maria take you through the, this really important part of your and really beautiful part of your story. You got diagnosed, right? And one of the things that often happens with folks on our podcast is they have sort of split emotions. The initial emotion, the initial emotional outlet um, is almost like celebratory where they feel validated because they've had all these years of, of people missing a diagnosis and they finally get their diagnosis and they're now finally validated and they wanna celebrate for a moment. And then they have the second phase, which is, oh shit, now what, right? Did you go through both of those or were you immediately sad and scared when you finally got the diagnosis that you waited 25 years to get? Immediately just sad and just thought, damn, you know, no one's gonna believe me because this is something that most doctors don't even believe. And it took me 25 years to find one person that believed it. And, and I just knew no one was going to believe me. And when I got told that no one believed it, it, it was just kind of, oh, well, it must be fake. I must be, I must be making it up. It's, it's not real. And, and ultimately, I went down the journey of, um, I got told I had fibromyalgia as well. And so do I have fibromyalgia? Or is it just all Lyme disease? Who knows, because those aren't things that you can can look at and diagnose like you can uh, cancer or strep throat or anything like that. So so what is it? I, I don't know. Do I have fibro? I don't know. But again, fibromyalgia is something people don't also believe in either. So it's one of those um, you you have to go through the list of do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? No. OK, well, it's fibro. So it, I was diagnosed with so many things that that what what you know, you just get confused after a while. And ultimately I was, which I don't think we we've discussed yet. I was ultimately diagnosed with cat scratch fever first. So there was this Mm. point in my life where I was in Nashville and started having really bad migraines all of a sudden and a whole array of symptoms and, and vision issues. So I went to an ophthalmologist and they just checked my eyes and said, your one pupil is enlarged but the other one's not. You have migraines, you're throwing up. Um, I was presenting with a brain tumor. So they were convinced you have a brain tumor, you have a history of high prolactin, which also indicates a tumor, and you have inflammation, a history of inflammation in your body. Because this natural path, just before she diagnosed me with Lyme disease, she started tracking and having baselines of everything. And so I was told, you have a brain tumor. There's no way you don't. You have all the symptoms and your Nana 
passed away from a brain tumor. My best friend passed away from a brain tumor. My uncle also had a brain tumor. So at this point, I, I go home to this place I was renting in Nashville by myself, no family, no nothing, and just go, wow, I have a brain tumor. And I was, so seeing, now, a guy, I was seeing a guy at the time. And so I, I said to him, you know, I just got told this. And he goes, oh, I'm going to a friend's birthday party. I'll, I'll try and come by after. And, and again, there's just me by myself going, wow, I'm alone again with the diagnosis, what do I do? You know? Yes, this is, can, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Let me see, is this, I wanna make sure my, everything's good, okay. So this is, first of all, I'm so sorry to hear about the whole journey from, from beginning to, you know, what you're speaking about now. So for those who are listening, um, Cat Scratch is, a, is another name for a species of Bartonella, correct? Yeah. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? So when you were diagnosed with cat scratch, it's one of the um, it's one of the species of Bartonella that they can test for. Were you tested for that? And then they found that you had that. And so you went from feeling like you had something similar to a fibromyalgia, all these different diagnoses to now all of a sudden being alone in a place that you don't really know that well thinking now I have a brain tumor. So it went from fibromyalgia yeah. to, to brain well, it tumor. Started, so that... It started with the cat scratch fever. So mm -hmm. all okay. of this started with everyone thinking I had a brain tumor. So I had been sick for how many years? I moved, relocated to Nashville, was renting uh, a place and, and ultimately started having all these eye symptoms, found the enlarged pupil. Eventually um, I, I got a, um, an MRI done had an awful, awful reaction to this MRI. And so I was throwing up for 15 hours and saying to my family, lying on the floor, throwing up and, and passing out and saying, I need to go to the hospital. I'm too ill to even call 911. And I'm begging people to take me to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Finally, I get to the hospital and put on IV, um, anti-nausea medication, all this stuff. And they're check, trying to wake me up to check my eyes. And they do notice that this pupil is enlarged and that I'm vomiting and all this stuff. So they said, we're going to call in a radiologist to check this MRI immediately and see how bad this brain tumor is. At this point, everyone's assuming I got a brain tumor. No, you're the radiologist seven. checks it. He comes back and says, you don't have a brain tumor. So it, then they sent me to an ophthalmologist, which is more of an eye specialist than an ophthalmologist, right? So the ophthalmologist is the one that diagnosed the cat scratch fever, which I find interesting oh, because that's good. not even in near his field. So he was flipping my eyelids up and he found a bunch of bumps on the inside of my eyelid. Wow. And he said, you have cat scratch fever. Wow. Undeniably, that's what you have. And I said, what? That's a song. Like, that's not even, a, there's a song called cat. I was like, that's not even a real thing. What is this? How did I get it? And and so the the migraines, the enlarged pupil, it was all just cat scratch fever. It was all cat, cat scratch fever, divine he, intervention that you exactly, ended up there. With my eyes. And so when my eyes never happened, none of this would happen. So he put me on a high, high doses of doxycycline um, and for like 30 days. And then we reassessed, the bumps were gone. Um, another 30 days reassessed. And I was down this road of just, just 
and then I had some rashes on my face and then all this stuff. And then I broke out and started having acne issues. And so they gave me doxycycline for the acne and cause the rashes turned into mm -hmm. acne. And so I was on doxycycline for like six months. And I wow. remember burning the bottom of my feet because I didn't, I couldn't sit in the sun and I just craved sunlight. So mm -hmm. I would sit with an umbrella over me, but forgot to cover my feet. So the soles mm -hmm. of my feet burned so badly that I could barely walk. And here I am mm -hmm. miserable. And I'm like, no, I can't walk. And it just snowballed from there. So it was my yeah, eyes. And then so still, the still for six months, if not like maybe it was, so 2013, 14, probably two years. I still had Lyme disease and, and nobody, nobody knew. Now, when you were taking the doxycycline for the cat scratch on and off, were you getting any die off or what we know, you know, in the, in the Lyme world as a Herxheimer reaction or, or yeah. die off? Did you, did you feel worse on this medication that they put you on for at some point acne? Were you getting any die off at that time? Or were you kind of smooth sailing through that medication? I would say looking back now and knowing what I know that there's such thing as a die off. Yeah, definitely. And it presented in my skin. Cause if you, you know, you can't see me right now, but I have beautiful skin now because yeah, I think I'm through the woods of all of that. Will it come back? I don't know. Knocked no. on wood. I don't no. know. It will not. But, Your skin is glowing. I had, I definitely had die off. I would say, you know, the hair wasn't healthy, the skin, and it was this mm -hmm. physical reaction. Um, and I, I started working out like crazy and, and that was another outlet for me too, was exercising and, exercise. and music. And I'm sure that the exercise also helped you heal in a lot of ways, getting the blood flowing, making sure that, you know, you are stretching, things like that are just so important to the healing process also to not overdo it. So when did you find out that you had Lyme along with the cat scratch fever? Because you were on the doxycycline, you said for about six months to two years on and off doing some sort of treatment for the either cat scratch or something else that would come up. Mm -hmm. How did Lyme then come into the picture? I just, again, the die off, I think I just got really, really sick and started to spiral down really fast. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of when you introduce my now husband. So for so long, he's, he'd only known me as a sick girl. Right. And so, um, he was there right at the beginning of all of this journey. So he had met me just after the brain tumor thing was resolved. And it was, you don't have a brain tumor. You have cat scratch fever and extreme migraines and you had a major reaction to an MRI, which then caused you to need time to heal. And so he met me kind of right mm -hmm. after all of that. And so I can, um, I can really relate to that. I have my fiance as well. So I just want to say I can really relate to that. And those good men that, you know, that know us from sickness to health and healing. It's really, they're very special. Continue. It's so true. And I think had he met me when I wasn't going through all of that, you know, would we be married today? I don't know, because it right. caused us to have such a close relationship where yeah. I now had this outlet when someone was listening to me. Mm -hmm. Finally, someone in my life knew that something wasn't right and they listened and they wanted to help. And so finally I had somebody. You had and support. I yeah, I had support for the first time in my life, I felt. And do you think that made a big difference in terms of not just your healing, but how you felt, you know, in the moment and not just in the long term is having that support yeah. system, even that one person. 
yeah, I would say it gave me this new motivation of, I don't have to feel this way anymore. Something's wrong with me. Somebody believes me. Let's get help and let's figure it out. And I had this new motivation of, of like earlier on in this conversation, I, I told you I accepted I was the sick, weird girl. Yes. And at this point, I just didn't accept it anymore. And I wanted to figure it out. And so I circled yeah. back to that natural path because in between, you know, right now in this conversation where we're at in this point in my life mm-hmm. to when I first met the natural path, um, currently I'm moving my hands in a rainbow motion. Nobody can see it, but I'm doing it. So <laughs> she is. So I went back to that natural path and I said, you did wonders for me years ago. Um, can we do that? That'd been probably five years, maybe six years. I said, can we do that again? You had me on all these weird teachers and stuff and everyone here probably listening knows what a teacher is, which was a word I'd never even heard of. And I was back on the teachers and I was back on the supplements and yeah. So this is, so to clarify, this is after this two-year period where you're still kind of going like, what's going on? So then you go back to this naturopath who has helped you so much in the past and that you you trust, this individual Mm -hmm. listened to you and you said, hey, I trust you again, like I'm putting me, my health and my healing in your hands. Show me what you got. Exactly. And then you moved forward from there with treatment. And, and I regretted stop stopping going to her because I had so many people in my life, family, other doctors saying, oh, they're hokey. Don't trust them. They're just hokey. Those teachers are just full of water and, and they're, they're not, they're just taking your money. And I had heard that for that five-year period. So eventually I just stopped because I went, well, maybe they are just taking my money and maybe it is just hokey and maybe I'm just meant to be the sick girl. And, and so meeting my husband, you know, just made me, we, we laughed so much together. We had so much fun and it was just like, I want, I want life. You know, Mm -hmm. I choose life. I choose myself and I choose life. And, and that's when I just started, I went to her and said, fix me. So your husband, meeting your husband was a catalyst to bring out, he really validated you and it brought out this new feeling of, I deserve to be healthy. I deserve to be heard. Mm -hmm. I deserve to have a good life. And you moved forward with this doctor. So what treatments did you do with the naturopath and beyond that? Did you try basically everything? (laughs) Were there specific things that really helped you like top three you know, did you go I, from, from the yoga to the green juice with it, the whole gamut? It was everything. I'm telling you, it was absolutely everything. People and listening so, to understand what that means. Like the limeys who hear this, they're like, yeah. cause when people ask you go, what I can, I got to run down about 120 lists, yeah. you know, like from the smallest things to the biggest things that you're really doing. It is such an all encompassing thing. So, so what were yeah. those things for you that that were mm, and that really helped you. Yeah, I would say everything. Um, and mm-hmm. so what we kind of started to do was treat the symptoms so that I could start to get better. So mm-hmm. we knew that, you know, the B12 was good for energy. So we did that. And we knew magnesium was good for the muscle aches and the migraines. So we did that. Mm-hmm. So we started coming up with a plan of like, you know, let's kill this bacteria off because we know you have it, but let's also treat the symptoms so you can get back in your feet. And so even when the blood tests came back as uh, positive, and even then my numbers were not through the roof positive mm-hmm. because 
I was on doxycycline for six months. So had I been tested then, my numbers would have been through the roof. And I just wish I had that because mm. like you said, my husband validated me and I just wanted validation from everyone. I wanted to show them a piece of paper with large numbers and say, yes. this is true. You this can't deny true. this. But what I had was medium numbers. Medium. And the naturopath said, you know, we've caught this, but early enough, we've caught it early mm -hmm. enough, but it's been going on for years because mm -hmm. God only knows what your numbers were before this doxycycline, sure. before all those rounds of amoxicillin that your body now doesn't respond to. And all that so, die off. And, and all the die off. Yeah. She, she just said like, you've been living with this for so many years. I can't even give you a timeline. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I went to my regular doctor because again, everyone in my life was like, Lyme disease isn't real. Look at your numbers. They're just middle of the ground. You don't have this. I went to, they said, you got to see a medical doctor. So I went to a medical doctor and I said, just test me. I just want to know, just test me. What's Tested me. Yeah. I came back negative because what I, once I started sharing my story and talking to other people, other people who know they have Lyme disease um, are coming up negative on the medical system's blood work because the threshold is so low. And so, <laughs> so you come up negative, but you have it. And so that made me angry. And so I wanted to start sharing my journey and saying, if you think something's wrong with you, go to a doctor. If that doctor doesn't believe you, go to another doctor. Nice. Tell people, scream and shout because you are your own advocate and you know if you're sick. And just because a blood result is negative, doesn't mean you're not positive because it's a threshold that's set, mm -hmm. right? Who's right. choosing this threshold? It needs to be lowered mm -hmm. so more and, people know. And updated. And, yeah. you know, we, we, Matt, Rich, we always talk about, you know, all the dealings behind the scenes and all of that. But, you know, while we're doing that, we're also treating. So you mentioned, I believe I was reading something about ozone, that ozone was super helpful for you. Tell us about a little bit about your journey with ozone, because I know um, I personally, in my treatment, I uh, have a very similar story to yours, was diagnosed a very long time. Um, ozone, I haven't done yet. I'm kind of leaving that for the very end, but I'm almost to the end. I've been in treatment for seven years. So as someone who also, who is gratefully co-hosting, but also is someone who's finishing up a treatment, tell the listeners and myself a little bit about your experience yeah. with ozone and how it's been so helpful. I think by the end of this conversation, I will probably have you convinced to try it I'm so because my, my story with ozone is again, unbelievable. I would say my story throughout my life is also unbelievable. Never mind yes. the last year of my life, what my husband and I've been through with, you know, the birth of my child and COVID during pregnancy and all that kind of stuff. I think that that my ozone journey is the same. It's just, it's unbelievable to the point that people just, again, I'm the girl crying wolf and making stuff up. And I'm the mm -hmm. weird kid. It goes circles, all kind of comes full circle where everything I do in my Every life time. is unbelievable. So I got it's home unbelievable, from- But you know, maybe you are just that fabulous that you are one <laughs> of a kind. I'm just saying, go ahead, continue. I would love that, you know, I, I right? love that. Hey, yeah. you are one of a kind. <laughs> we're all one of a kind aren't we right mm -hmm. that's why yeah, podcasts absolutely. like this exist because everyone's story is different and you it's learn so from everyone right yeah and so the so the ozone, ozone treatment yes the the natural path said let's try all these teachers and all these so-ons and doohickeys and do what's and and i i tried it all 
And she said, let's try ozone. And I said, well, how does it work? She said, well, we're going to put it in your arm. I said, well, how big is the, the, the needle? Cause I, I mean, I have tattoos and I'm, again, you can't see me guys, but I'm throwing my arms up to show you. I have nice. about seven tattoos, just small, high pain small tolerance. things. No, but, but <laughs> I should have a high pain tolerance to needles. But once I started being the sick girl all the time, I, I could tolerate the needles from tattoos, but I couldn't tolerate the needles from blood draws because I had had so many in my life, mm -hmm. so many IVs, you know, the colonoscopies and the every, all the tests for everything, right? They all involve blood draws mm -hmm. and IVs. And I just had so many in my life that I just said, I don't want another IV because how many times do I have to come in? Multiple times a week. Now I don't want an IV. How big is the is the is the catheter and the needle and all that stuff that you're putting in my arm? I want to see it. She showed me and I said, uh-uh, that's not going in me. No, no, I don't want that. Yeah. I have small, I have tight veins. And so when I have to go in to get an IV put in, um, which has been too many times in my life, I'll tell you, they it takes them an hour minimum to find a good vein. Oh wow. And because my veins are process. either too a process. And so I just said, you're not fitting that thing in there. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. What are my other options? And so, so you can do. So sorry to interrupt, yeah, sorry, but this is so interesting. So you went from like, oh, absolutely not. It's not going to work. Like for me, like ozone, I don't think so. The needles, like I've just been through too much and then continue on where it turns out to be something that is so helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so she, she ended up going through my ears and my nose. Get out. Yes. There's yeah. also an option to go up the butt as well. So we have options in ozone. Who knew? Who we are not going to discuss that here, but there is an option to go up the butt. <laughs> um, and so you're basically just trying to get the ozone into your body and your yeah. blood system That's so that uh, you kill off the bad stuff mm -hmm. by introducing oxygen. So basically bad things don't like oxygen. So you introduce oxygen into your blood system and the bad things die off. So one thing she said to me very in in about 2010 or whatever it was 2009 when I first saw her was cut out sugar. You have inflammation, cut out sugar. So this again came full circle back to the Lyme disease. Cut out sugar. And so the first thing I did was try to eliminate the inflammation in my body with what I could do at home, cutting out sugar. So sugar diet tinctures, we had the vitamins, we cut out sugar, stopped alcohol, drinking alcohol, which I mean, I'm not a big drinker anyways, to begin right. with, but you know, a glass of wine at night, whatever, it, it all is just inflammation. Mm -hmm. So the point with the ozone is that it just kills the bad bacteria in your body because it can't thrive. And so we introduced the oxygen into my body and not through IV. Haven't done it. Don't mm -hmm. want to do it. If I really need to one day, I will. But I've just had so many IVs. I don't want to do it. But just if you're listening, I'm not telling you not to do it through IV because I believe that's most effective. Um, and I even in my journey through this, I saw people walking in and out of the building with the bandage on their arm because they'd just done it. So mm -hmm. so just entertain the idea of ozone, however you find you need to get that into your body. So, so I, how often did you wind up? Did you do a series? Did she have you do a specific series? Did she prescribe you something that she kind of knew? Like this is what my typical Lyme patients might need or did you go as needed? So she was new to the ozone world, but she was working with a doctor who was very heavily involved in the Lyme 
community. So he was going to conferences and stuff like this to learn about Lyme disease. And so this was back in 2015 when ozone was kind of, I would say mm -hmm. new. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, sort of definitely to traditional medicine. It still mm -hmm. is new. <laughs> right? So a lot newer, you know, whereas now people are kind of talking about it, but afraid to try it. And so anyways, I, I tried it and and what we decided that the ears and, and the nose and stuff would be okay because a lot of my symptoms were head related with, you know, the brain fog and the migraines and, and stuff like that and, and changes that way. So we did that. And I will tell you the, the second I walked out of that office, it was, it was fall. So trees were orange and yellow and mm -hmm. I walked out and I was just like, whoa, the colors were different oh, and wow. I, I'm telling you I'm sorry for swearing but you just can't make this shit no, up you can't and nobody up. believed me not I, a single soul believed me and I'm telling you I looked around the grass was green mm -hmm. the sky was blue the the trees were colored and I just was like holy f is this what I've been missing right. and it circles back to my nana you know I get goosebumps talking about it it circles back to my nana who was blind and I thought mm -hmm. I could have been living with these colors and this she didn't even time. get the choice. She didn't even get the choice because she was blind. She didn't even get to, to see these. And I could have been seeing this my whole life and I didn't. So basically the way I can explain it was like someone took a squeegee and just went eep, eep, right. over my eyes and I saw, and then I went and wow. got more treatments and I saw. And, you saw and so for so two, my first two treatments, die off though at all with the ozone or were you I ozone yeah made you feel a little bit better you did have die off the, so it. the the ozone treatments you just you just need to take it easy you know mm -hmm. it's so long ago that I don't remember exactly but it's not it wasn't bad enough that I'm sitting here going oh my god I remember how I felt that day because right. because the migraines and all the other symptoms were so bad that finally feeling good it didn't matter what the die off was right it's worth so did it you, so of course right worth it and did you do but did you do anything extra like did you find anything like was really good for the die-off during ozone or was ozone enough for you <laughs> at that time like in terms of Herxheimer reactions and how you kind of manage yeah. that part of it so that you could keep going because managing symptoms is so important so that you could keep moving forward yeah, it's exactly that. It's just everyone's die-off is going to be different and you just have to manage those symptoms. So as they pop up, troubleshoot and what do you do? Talk to your naturopath or whoever you're working with and say, this is what I'm having right now. What can I do? And so I just kind of treated, yeah, I just treated each symptom. And I found that that being positive was the main thing that helped me because at this point, there was nothing, no die-off that was as worse as what I felt before. So to me, the die-off just didn't matter. That's why I can't really recall any of it mm. to you right this second, other than the things that like the skin reaction, right? Yes. That's something that was physical that I could see. see. So mm -hmm. anything internal was not as bad as what I dealt with before. Right. Um, so for you, so, you finally were feeling a little bit yeah. better. So it was just part of the game as everyone yeah. out there listening with Lyme disease knows unfortunately the tie-off is part of the game and in order it to is. finish the game we have to it's like a video face game it. we have to dodge face the face it yeah. take this take some glutathione dodge dodge it that way take a nap dodge it yeah. this way 
So it's all about yeah. managing uh, the die off the symptoms, as you're saying, so that you can move through your treatment. Yeah, because seeing colors for the first time in my life was worth it, you know, that none mm -hmm. of it mattered. And so that was Amazing. the first and second treatment. The third treatment, um, when she put the like, it's a basically a large needle that kind of goes into your ear, but there's no sharp tip on it. Okay. And so it's slowly injected into your ear, um, into one side, and then it's injected into the other side. And wow. so they do the left ear and the right ear. So she went into the right ear. And right after that, that in going into the ear, um, I all of a sudden, it felt like, you know, how you fly on a plane and your ears yes. pop but they mm -hmm. don't pop one clean pop, right? Not like a yes. snap of a finger. It's like a, there's multiple stages yes. to the popping. Mm -hmm. I felt this massive pop in my ear as if something died. That's yeah. the only way I can describe it. Something died inside my brain or ear canal yes. that all of a sudden I could hear. So think going back to your, your singing, being a wonderful singer, passionate singer and having those beginning ear, nose and throat yeah. issues, getting yeah. ozone, directly into the area of the ear, nose and throat was beneficial scary. for you. <laughs> scary, highly scary. scary, I'm sure. And you're so brave, yeah. but quite beneficial. It sounds like. Yeah, for you. definitely. And so, it, I mean, it doesn't come without, you know, some kind of, no, I wouldn't say risk, but yeah. you know, for that day, when it goes into your nose, I'm telling you, it is not comfortable. Right. Something is being injected up your nose and you're having to, you close one nostril and something goes up the left side, let's say you're closing the right and you have to breathe in really deep and then hold your breath and your eyes are leaking. It's wow. kind of burning up your, your sinuses. And so I always had a sore throat immediately after. Mm -hmm. So I always knew I can't book a show that day. I can't have mm -hmm. a right. I can't have anything. And so I kind of just learned to adapt my life around those ozone treatments. But my ears, all of a sudden I could hear, right? And when I was going mm -hmm. through the tonsillectomy um, years ago, she was testing my ears and saying that I basically had like superhuman hearing in one ear and the other ear wasn't as good. Wow. And so what I found out and what I gathered was that my body was adapting to this, like, you can't hear properly through this year, but we still need you to hear. Mm -hmm. So we're going to make this other one superhuman Stronger. so you can hear. Wow. So my body was, was being superhuman and was adapting to all these bad things in my life. And so it was like, holy crap, my body's a miracle. And you fast forward to now and all the, the crap, quite frankly, I went through with this pregnancy. I still some days look at my son and go, how the heck did you grow inside my body? And I was so sick during the pregnancy, but you're okay. How, how did my body do this? And I'm just beautiful. It's it's it blows my mind to think that a human growed in, grew inside mm. me, and I grew that child. You brought life and brought life amongst the chaos of my mm. life and me being sick, and it still blows my mind. So so beautiful, and I'm so happy. Congratulations to you <laughs> Thank and your partner on the baby. So where would you say now? Because I know you had the um, unfortunate you know health blip there with COVID. I, it seems like you're able to work because you're saying you're back to your music. Where would you say like percentage wise, you feel like you are based on maybe your worst time? Would you say you're like 80% better, 90%, maybe some days it's different. That's kind of how it works for me. Yeah. Some days it's different. And I think that 
being pregnant and I'm not trying to tell anyone out there if you have Lyme disease and you want to have a baby like don't not have a baby because you have Lyme disease of course mm -hmm. because right it's a hurdle that you have to go through because being pregnant with Lyme disease is not going to be the same as being pregnant without Lyme disease because Correct. ultimately your body has more hurdles to jump over every day and every time he grows he grew inside my belly every time he grew you know it sucked more energy from me and right. i had to eat more food and nourish more and i i just had to Rest be different more. and and treat my body differently but mm -hmm. so it was it was a hard pregnancy and i think that that right now i'm recovering from that pregnancy yes. and so what I have going on right now in my wrists, I, I haven't been able to play music. So I haven't touched an instrument since November, December. So oh, I, I, I played I played a little bit, you know, at an airport, there was a piano and I played because mm -hmm. I just felt the urge to, but it, I've seen a lot of specialists about it. And so I have some nerve things going on in my wrist, which is a mix of, um, I just so happened to be in the age range and pregnant, which put me in the risk category of getting Dequer veins, which is a specific wrist and nerve kind of gotcha. symptom. Um, plus maybe some carpal tunnel from mm -hmm. the shingles, which is neurological, plus stack that on top of the Lyme disease and the maybe yeah. fibromyalgia. Yeah. I had this perfect and storm of- And even cat scratch. Um, yes. For me, cat, the Bartonella was, uh, giving me like the burning pain that I would have in my extremities, the nerve, the nerve pain they would call it was more, is related to Bartonella more than anything mm -hmm. else. And my feet as well. Yeah. So that's, that's the, that's, that's what the I was going to say right? is, is it, was it all Lyme <laughs> disease? Was it that right. my body just wasn't meant to be pregnant because I'm the sick, weird girl, you know? No. And so I had body, to work. Women's bodies are amazingly strong. They're amazing. amazing. That's, that's the point is they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And had I not been positive throughout it all and cutting out sugar and exercising and forcing myself to be healthy during this pregnancy, I probably wouldn't have done it. I mean, I haven't yeah. yet told my my story about the labor and delivery, but I almost died during it. You know, it was a very, very bad labor and delivery. And I can't help but think not one didn't have <laughs> but you're so no. positive. That's why people, the doctors just don't, they just go, What? You you I, deserve I some good luck. I, I say yes, taking, send it. Yes, send it. I hope people are taking away the 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 positivity that you do bring because I think that you have a beautiful balance. You know, there's a time to be upset and there's a time to take action and there's a time to be positive. And it seems like that's helped you tremendously. It has, because without the positivity, I mean, I would just be living in a, in a rock under, mm -hmm. under a rock in a corner crying all the time because right. you have to look and go, wow, I see a green tree out my window right now. And it's like, man, I, I never really saw that green the way it was, or I just, birthed a child you know right. and and so you just kind of think like your body is an amazing thing and if your mind if you want to get better that you can despite okay. hearing no because there were times like even with my husband like he he's been through the ringer too right because my my mind wasn't wasn't right i was having yes. trouble communicating the same way that that you guys had mentioned earlier right yes so Very i would nice. say something to him and i would say for example I had a bandaid on my finger and I would say to him, I have to go change my battery. This is just one example because right. him and I laugh about it all the time. I have to go change my battery. Mm -hmm. He said the battery and what I said, my battery. And he said, 
in what in a car in your in your in your phone no no my battery my battery you know what i mean my battery and i started to get frustrated because i kept trying to say band-aid but battery mm -hmm. was coming out and i'm thinking why am i saying battery but i'm thinking about a band-aid yeah, band eventually i pointed and i said battery he goes band-aid and i just mm -hmm. sobbed and i just said why can't i say it why can't why is this happening every day and and he just watched me struggle with you know there was points where i would try to walk through a door and i would bump into the corner of the door because my depth perception was off and i would try to make dinner and i would take the pot lid to go put it on and i would drop it and it would break yeah and i would be on the things. floor crying and and so he watched me struggle so much that he went through it too because he was trying to be strong for me and he would get frustrated when he didn't know what i was trying to communicate to him right. and i was frustrated and so so those he are was the a catalyst those are the small the small things small, right and he was the catalyst in it all and, and that's it is him and i just realized the small things in life like that's what matters you know we've been just through read my mind so I was, I was back gonna, together i was gonna pose the question like because you're talking about how the colors are more vibrant and yeah. you know you can say what what's on your mind you can say, it comes from the mind out your mouth yeah how how do you look at life now how does life feel and different you have a beautiful baby from you yeah. know from almost your whole life being sick and having to deal with something yeah. and now I'm coming around the other side and mm -hmm. and having a healing yeah it's life different what did you learn what are what are those I think special things I, I think it's, you just don't take things for granted, right? You, you look at my Nana, one was blind and one was deaf. And, and you see that you grew up seeing that spectrum of things. And then I'm the sick, weird kid, like we keep saying, and, and you just have this new perspective on life and, and meeting my husband was, was part of that, right? Because he dealt with everything with such patience and grace and caring and love that I was like, wow, that's what it feels like to really, really be loved despite of your illnesses and, and your challenges, because a, a challenge is, is just a hurdle, but you yes. can get over a hurdle, right? It's the same as a mountain. You can climb that mountain and get to the other side, but do you have the determination and the will to get to it? So mm -hmm. I'd come from this, such a dark place. Even there was one point um again my husband was in my life at this time when i got i i've been sick my whole life but right around 2015 i was the sickest i'd ever been despite being you know when i was sick mm -hmm. in the children's hospital of course but i was very skinny i mean i should send you guys a picture show you a picture of what i looked like and versus now i mean it is insane i looking at myself now i was like oh my gosh i how did i not know that something was seriously wrong mm -hmm. and my husband and i were on the hgtv show property brothers and we were cast on that show right when i was diagnosed Oh, wow. So during the sh filming of the show was when I was diagnosed. And so I had to walk on set every day and put makeup on and, and I had rashes, I had dermatitis all over oh. my face and the makeup artist on, on, on set, I would just like, you know, kind of sob to her and I'd have tears in my eyes and I'd say, I don't want to go on national television right now. I'm sick. I'm skinny. I haven't slept. I have bags under my eyes and, and, and Can't think people so. watch that episode now and they don't know. They have no, no idea. idea. No because idea. I was still happy, you know, mm -hmm. it was getting in front of that camera that took every single thing I had inside hours my body hours and I would, yeah, I would cry. I would cry. And this makeup artist was going, you're beautiful, Leanne. People would kill to look like you. And I said, but I don't want to look like me right now. I don't want to be me right now. And, and so and I had to, 
you have appreciation now for your beauty. Yes. I'm sure that you took, maybe took for granted or looked in the mirror and said, I don't like this or I don't like that. And now, yeah. you know, now you have an appreciation for my eyes. I use them to see my mouth yeah. suits for this. My eyebrows are here for this. My eyelashes and my are here for this. my body grew a human, you know, yes. you, yeah, you yeah. think, but, but in order to get to where I am, there was so many tough conversations, you know, there was this one point on set, I think where, you know, my husband and I were, it was, it was very rough for us. Filming Property Brothers was a rough, rough time. And nobody to this day even knows that that was the same time I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. Nobody knows that. And so they see this episode that just actually aired again a couple days ago. Wow. And people are going, oh, you guys were so happy and you're so funny, Leanne. And I loved hearing you tell your jokes and your stupid jokes. And, and, and it was just it was a rough time in my life, but nobody knew because it goes back to where we're talking about social media is you can put forward whatever foot you want to put forward. Right. And you can right. post your happy little family against a white background when really in reality, your house is a friggin' mess and you haven't showered and your child's just crying all the time. Yeah. So you put forward what you want to put forward. And I made this conscious effort to once I, once 2015 hit, it was like, no, I'm not going to lie and post motivational quotes anymore with pictures of me right. looking beautiful with makeup. I'm a person and people care about me regardless of me having challenges or not. And I just Absolutely. made this decision to just be honest. And I told people I have Lyme disease and I said, I have this and I have that. And once I got pregnant and had, sh had shingles and COVID, I said, I have this. And, 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 I just started telling people, you know, and I had mastitis, a big, big infection during, uh, my nursing journey and breastfeeding journey right now. And I, I was in the hospital on IV and I told people about it. And I just said, I'm a real person and you just got to share it and just be who you are. And yeah. it involves hard conversations and telling your story and just being honest, being honest. So being honest is something that you really learned through this experience, just being mm -hmm. honest about how you feel with other people and also being positive would you say those are two tips that you would give to somebody who's who is either newly diagnosed with Lyme or go, starting their treatment or in the middle of their treatment mm -hmm. 100% because like you will get better what is your better compared to my better compared to someone else's better you, you can't compare your journey to anybody else whether that's like I just said, somebody you watch on social media has a perfect, happy family. Well, maybe they don't, you know, mm -hmm. they always have makeup on and look perfect in their pictures. Well, maybe they just do that before they take their pictures. Exactly. Somebody who tells you they have Lyme disease, but all they're posting is pictures of them working out, looking healthy. And you're going, oh, I wish I had the energy to do that. You don't know what's one behind moment. the scenes. Mm -hmm. It's one moment in time that they're ca capturing and you don't, maybe they took 500 pictures to get one that they liked of themselves. So mm -hmm. I would just say like, follow the people on social media that inspire you and give you motivation and unfollow the people that that don't give you that motivation because that's something right. that quite frankly we all look at every day yes. and 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 if you don't then maybe do it maybe yes. add social media to your life because there's people right. out there that can motivate you and start conversations just the way that i am and trying to do um and and it's it's just to be positive because you will get better it will take a long time because I got better and then yes. I got pregnant and then I got worse. And now I'm back mm. on the journey to get better. So but, I think but, that, 
But one more thing first was during that journey of me getting worse during the pregnancy, mm-hmm. look what I got out of it. A beautiful child. A beautiful so child. So it's just it's an example thing. of you you will get something out of it that's positive at the end of your journey because I did and it's a human. <laughs> it's a son, right? Yes. And I love how you said curate your feed so that yes. either you're looking at things that are motivational, inspiring, educational. Cat videos. You know, or cat funny, videos. <laughs> right, cat funny the videos, funny videos, cute, anything, puppies, but then also to use social media as a way to connect with other people who are going through the similar experience. Because as you said, and as everyone and Rich, Matt, the whole TikTok camp, all of us know there is no one size fits all. This is one of the weirdest yeah. illnesses because not only is it one disease, usually it's, I mean, one disease, but it's multiple infections of all sorts of types, <laughs> viral, yeah. parasitic, it's multi-system. It is bizarre. And it's uh, all, <laughs> all avenues of your body are affected. It's a full Your, your on, pinky toe mm-hmm. up to your left ear to your right eye, you know, Everything. full-on assault of the yeah. of, of your body so you know it's so wonderful to have people like you to hear the stories to have tick boot camp exist you know so that you can give this kind of really valuable information and another thing I know that Rich and I always like to ask is what would you what would you advice would you give to somebody who just got bit by a tick or found a tick on them if they're being bit where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, just trust your instinct, you, you know? And, and if you think something's wrong with you, it, it probably is, you know, if, if you don't feel like yourself, then you probably aren't. And if mm-hmm. you're worried, there's no harm in checking. And if you hear no, go to someone else. If they mm-hmm. tell you no, go to someone else and just keep hunting and, and seek out people who you know have the same issue. So even me posting about COVID and pregnancy, people reached out to me. Some girl from Australia reached out to me. And then there was a girl in England. You know, we're not just talking on your own continent and your Mm -hmm. own country. If you put it out into the world that you're dealing with something, people will find you. And in turn, you can find them. So go straight to the source, to people that are dealing with or have dealt with what you've dealt with and ask questions and learn that way. Because doctors, you know... Thank you, God, for doctors, right? Because they have healed so many people, but they're not the end-all, be-all. Because mm-hmm. sometimes they don't know their 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 knowledge is limited to what they learn from mm-hmm. other people who have knowledge. Right. But the Just real knowledge out. comes from people who have been through it and can yeah. give you, you know, cat's claw, for example. I took cat's claw for a while; it just didn't do anything for mm-hmm. me. And, and some so, people are annihilated by it. Yeah. And so I just say, like, I'm not going to tell you don't take it because it mm-hmm. didn't work for me. I'm going to say this is something you could try. Right. And but even on my work, don't freak out because there's so many other options. Exactly. Because just try everything and 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 ask questions. And even if you're listening to this and you want to reach out to me, just my website's leannepearson.ca or I'm at Leanne Pearson on all social media. You can just find me and just message me and say, Hey, I heard your, I heard the podcast. I got a question about this. Or, you know, if you feel inspired by this conversation, just tell me, you know, I I just want to hear from people. And that's how we all connect is, is ultimately just, if you're just diagnosed, you know, go cry, sob about it because that's also part of healing. 
and then figure out how to be positive. And if that means a 10 minute walk outside to get fresh air and some sunlight and vitamin D, then just do it every day. And if it means nothing, right. We have to look at it. If it means, yeah, what hugging your cat, you know, 10 times a day, hug your damn cat 10 times a day, whatever it is, that's find something that's going to make you feel better and just, just do it and, and smile and, and be positive because your body is hurting and your mind is hurting and you're hurting, but you just, you have to be positive because even if you get better physically and you're not, you're still not positive. Positive. You just won't be Mm -hmm. happy. Right. You can be sick. Such a beautiful note right there. So like, that's, that's such a mission statement for, for what we go through is if we don't start taking control of our minds now and our thoughts, then yeah. once we are physically healed, it will be very easy to slip back yeah. into sickness again if we don't watch yeah. out. And I know 100%. you talk so much about self-care. So that's all, you know, part of part of that. So your message is just so yeah. important and so all-encompassing for while we're in treatment and after. And yeah. I love that. I mean, it, 100%, because sometimes while you're in treatment, you may go into a recovery phase and then need treatment again, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't, this isn't just a mountain that you're climbing and then you you're done. This is a, I was sick. I was better. I got sick. I was better. I got pregnant. I got sick Mm -hmm. and I'm sick now. Mm -hmm. I am sick again right now. Currently, as we're having this conversation, I am not well, but I mean, I'm smiling and I'm talking and I'm, I'm figuring it out because I yeah. realize I've been there and I've gotten better. I know I will. And my husband and I are trying to figure out how to execute things that will make us better and make right. me better. Um, and often and what is, that? is not linear, you know, even no. for, even for the average Lyme person, it's not a linear, yeah. a linear process. Uh, there's so much that we can't control outside of us as well. Yeah. So I think that's and even beautiful message and, too. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay. If you're not going like this so fast, you know, it can take you a year. It might take you 10. Yeah. But you'll get there. And, and like you said too, is it that the, with the changing aspect of it too, and how I had mentioned, find the outlet that you love that makes you better. Even those outlets might change. Even something that is, like let's say the 10 minute walk with the sunshine that may be what makes you feel better but then all of a sudden now you've got severe leg pain and you can't yes. do that thing so now day, you you, know? you have to be malleable and you have to mm-hmm. learn to adapt to the punches and roll with the punches because it may change and so mm-hmm. there was one point that. in my in my career where i was very sick and the doctors were putting me on a bunch of medications to try to figure out how to manage symptoms and so i was on this one medication that was just super hardcore right in the height of Lyme disease and they were trying to treat the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had like this massive eye twitch, which I still, it's a neurological symptom that I'm still trying to figure out Mm -hmm. and working with a specialist to try to do, I need surgery, what is it, what needs to happen? And it's this right eye that just twitches like crazy. Everyone says, oh, eat a banana. Oh, you're just tired. It's too much coffee. And it's like, Mm. no, it's Mm. none of those things. It's neurological. So there was this time in my career where I had like a bunch of radio interviews. I had a single out. My career was doing really well. And my eye was twitching. And I would wake up and go, damn it. 
I'm on TV today, but there's nothing I could do for this Twitch. Mm -hmm. And I just accepted that I had this weird eye Twitch that people would stare at and go like, is she on drugs? Like, is she taking cocaine? I don't know. Do you take, I I don't even, I don't even do drugs. I don't even know what the terminology is, but, and so. We do no sugar. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Exactly. No sugar. And so at, at this point, um, I had this major festival that I was going to play and I was on, I was on the main stage of this major festival. I was one of only like one of two females to be on this main stage that year. And I was so excited and I was sick. I was so skinny that I had to go out and buy new clothes because the outfit that I bought to wear didn't fit me because I'd lost so much weight. And that outfit now I've given away because I can't fit into it. It was like a triple zero. Mm -hmm. And so, and now I'm like a four or six, you know? So that's just how much weight that I'd lost. And I was forgetting lyrics to my own songs that I had written. I had to stand on stage. One of the, uh, should have been a very proud moment in my career. And I was scared shitless part of my language because I was thinking, oh my God, I would be in the middle of a song that I'd done a million times and I would forget where we were in the song. Mm. And I would think, did we just do the first course or the second course? Did, did I say that lyric wrong? Did I, in my, my head, I was thinking like of other things while my mouth was singing something and my mm-hmm. hand was just strumming a guitar. And I was so lost in my own body and on stage. And that was a moment in time, right? To me in that moment, it felt like the end of the world. And I was so embarrassed. So what I said on stage was, Nobody really knows this, but blank. And I just told people, I said, Uh I have Lyme disease. My brain doesn't work. I've just forgot lyrics to two songs that I wrote and I'm embarrassed about it, but that's my life. And And people came up to me. Away from that. That's the power. That's exactly it. It took the power away from Lyme disease Mm -hmm. because now people went, Oh, she owned it. That's what she has. That's what she's got going on. No big deal. Instead of, oh my God, she forgot the lyrics on stage. Oh, that's so horrible. And people came up to me afterwards in the autograph line and hugged me. And they said, thank you for sharing your story. So I took the power away. As well, you know, and And I heard their story. And for you with your platform and your singing, you know, it gives you such a wonderful, it puts you in such a wonderful place to help other people. Yes. So I went from this person who, was forgetting lyrics to her own songs with a mad eye twitch on a bunch of heavy medications to what I am right now going, that was a blip in time. So if you're listening, like what you're going through right now may feel like the end of the world, but it's just not, you know, it's, it's just not because you will get through it and it's going to be a, a speed bump mm-hmm. in the scheme of things. Because once you are better and you see that blue sky and the, and the, the green trees and, and you know, you may be, you may have a, a son or, or, or something down the road or, or a husband like me who I'm is understanding, to. you have things to look forward to and, and you just can't just give up because there's yeah. a challenge and a diagnosis, yes. right? Yeah. I love, I absolutely love that. I love the positivity that you bring. And I love the fact that, which is something I had to learn and it took me quite a while is to roll with the punches. That's so huge. Anyone listening? So huge because the punches are going to be different every day and there might be 20 in one day. So you just got to, you got to roll with them or else you're just going to be stressed and put a a damper, dampen your healing. Yeah. And and I think too, is that good and bad can exist at the same time. So just because you have bad in your life doesn't mean you can't have good. So look at me with property brothers. 
I was on a major HGTV show with my husband, you know, and, and it was it, the best time of our lives, but also the worst. You were celebrating and you're also mourning. Mourning because I was so sick and I did ozone treatments in, in Nashville as well during that time period and had major die off yeah. while I was on the show, which caused all the, the skin reactions. And so we're talking, I was at the lowest point of my life, but also the happiest because I had yeah. this, my husband and, and, and this, this major show and I was, I was successful in my career. And so I had two things coexisting at the same time, good and bad. Good and so and it's bad. possible. You can't just let the bad take over because good can thrive too, right? Yeah. And it's finding that balance between there is bad, but there's also good. And it's okay to acknowledge the bad, that it's very, very important to acknowledge the good. Sometimes we yes. forget that part. Yes. Thank you for reminding us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Leon, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, what you were learning about yourself when you were learning to heal from Lyme disease, right? I mean, one of my, one of my favorite sayings is, well, you're working on Lyme, Lyme is working on you. Well, you're figuring right. out how to get better. You're figuring out who you are. So what'd you learn about you and how did that help you personally and professionally? Yeah. I think I just realized like, whoa, I'm a really strong person. You know, you, you, you kind of look back at what you've been through and, and even what I'm going through right now, you know, is, is just, you just kind of think, holy crap, holy crap. How, how did I go through that? And I'm still standing. How did my body, how did my body go through that? Even with me being pregnant and so, so sick that I was in the hospital how how did my body birth a healthy baby boy how did he not get affected by my sickness and, and how you just that's what i've learned is like wow i could really do anything you body know and and people have called me a warrior before and they say you're a warrior every time mm -hmm. i every time i say something oh you'll never believe what happened next and i tell people what's happened and they go holy crap that's unbelievable you're a warrior and i can't call myself a warrior i i can hear people say it and go thank you like it's really nice to hear but i can't say to you i'm a warrior because sometimes you just don't feel like a warrior because you just mm -hmm. think like why is life keep kicking me in the butt what did why I, do I have with life? to be a warrior yeah. I, I don't <laughs> want to be a warrior a girl <laughs> yeah I don't want to be a warrior so I don't want to call myself that I don't I just mm -hmm. want life to stop kicking me in the butt you yeah. know and I just I want to stop having to roll with the punches but but you just can't that's just life that's and everyone has their thing and has their hurdles and I think what I learned was just like wow <laughs> you, you learn know? how resilient you are exactly so exactly. you're, you're, you're learning how adaptive you can be mm -hmm. and that there's no limit to what you can learn and there's no limit what you can do to improve your situation, right? And that's that's the an important starting point for any healing journey, belief. Belief that you can get better. Belief that there are no limits. Belief that you can yeah. continue to go forward. Another, I think, important thing that you learned, of course, is that life isn't about good and bad. It's about managing both. It's about transcending both because mm. no matter who you are, life is going to throw curves at you, right? People are going to get sick. People are going to die. You know, there are just going to be things. Breakups happen. You know, the, these are things that happen in life, right? So if we, if we, if we have this artificial perspective that life is good and then bad is a departure rather than mm -hmm. recognizing, recognizing that good and bad happen together and our, and our lives are going to be richer based on what we learn from all of these experiences, 
then we're going to have a more healthy uh, perspective. So talk to us about how this has impacted you musically. I mean, I, I really enjoy a lot of your music. And, you know, I, I, one of the things that I really appreciated about your music when I was studying you was that you were writing about so many of your personal experiences, right? I mean, you know, your little man uh, song is just beautiful. I mean, it really is a beautiful, beautiful song. And, um, you know, I, I, Miles Away is another really powerful song. And I have to admit my favorite as a, as a cat owner is Catterday. So talk to us about all of your songs and how this journey from no to who you are um, is now being uh, manifested in your, your, uh, your art. It, I mean, it's, that's a great, a great, great question because um, it's talking about that box too, right? When that box fills up, where does it go? And for me, it was my music. So I felt like I, I'm, people would call me a country rocker if they see me perform on stage. I whip my hair around, I rock out, I'm stomping my boots. Whoops, I did, I stomped my boot while I said that and then banged <laughs> the desk. I don't know if you heard it, but I can't not stomp my boot without saying stomp my boot. So, and I, I rock out with my guitar and my bandmates and, and it's a high energy show. And I always felt like those were the songs I had to release because I was playing live shows all the time and that's what people wanted to see and that's who I was. But then when COVID hit and and there was no live shows um, and I, I had to, because of Lyme disease, I basically had to relearn how to play instruments multiple times. So wow. I, I used to play guitar really well, you know, I could learn a guitar solo and I play, I, I, I could just do all these things that I can't do now. And, and, and I had to relearn how to play guitar amongst this being diagnosed with Lyme disease. And then I used to play piano when I was younger and, and my hands just all of a sudden, my hands and brain couldn't communicate. And all of a sudden I just gave up because it was too hard. And so I started taking uh, piano lessons again, but I did it silently because I was embarrassed. I didn't want people right. to know that I was relearning an instrument I already knew or that I was struggling so hard to learn an instrument. So my piano teacher, I just kind of warned her. I said, I have Lyme disease and my brain sometimes just doesn't work. And so if you teach me something, I'll be able to play it perfectly. But then one second later, I'm going to forget. I'm going to look at the piano and not know where my hands are supposed to go for a song that I've played a million times. And so uh, she was very gracious and unbelievable. And so I struggled to learn, struggled to learn, and ultimately just decided like learning music theory is not for me because my brain doesn't work that way. I don't work mathematically and scientifically. I work with, this is what I feel like doing today. And some days if I sit down and it's just too hard or it hurts, I just don't do it. And I try another day. And so I had, I relearned how to play piano um again for the unsense time or whatever people say <laughs> during covid and my piano had just been sitting there collecting dust and was just a prop and i i learned how to play and both the songs you referenced miles away and little man were were basically the first songs i'd ever written on piano oh, because wow. it was just too hard for me and my brain uh, my my mouth and my brain and my hands just couldn't communicate properly and and i sat you know you can ask my husband I sat in my music room forever, just trying to, to learn songs and to just work at it and work at it. And eventually I wrote this song. And so they're personal, personal songs where all of a sudden I thought, I don't need to be anybody. I don't need to be a country rocker, what people want me to be. And I want to write a damn song about my cat. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a damn song about my cat because in the music industry, 
you're told you have to fit in a box. So we're, we're going yes. back to the box thing. You got to fit in that box and you can't go out of it. So if you are a country rocker, you are a country rocker. You want to write about your cat? Nope. Mm-mm. Nobody wants to hear about your cat. Go back in your uh-uh. box. You want to write about your son and, and, and have it be a, a sentimental song about being pregnant and a human moving inside your belly. No, mm-mm, you can't do that. Go back in your box. Again, hearing the word no, because I want to be who I am. Yes. So so COVID and, and being sick and having challenges and, and even social media just taught me, you know, be who you want to be. If I want to release a song about a cat, yeah, heck yeah, I'm going to release this song about my cat. And I actually wrote that song um, because I was having writer's block. And my brain wasn't working. And so my husband and I started writing down random words and putting them in a hat. And each day I would force myself. I wasn't feeling well. And I would force myself to go into my music room, tune my guitar and grab a random word. And I forced myself. I said, I will not leave this room until I have written a song about a random word. (laughs) And Catterday was one of the words that day. And I wrote it. And loved it. And I said, I'm just going to share this. So I shared this song about Catterday and everyone loved it. And eventually fast forward, you know, once we were allowed back in recording studios, I recorded it as a joke. And then all of a sudden I was like, this is cool. I think I'm going to just release it because who gives an F if I'm not in my box, you know, Mm -hmm. part of my language. I don't want to be in a box. I'm going to release this song. And people loved it. You know, does it have a lot of streams on Spotify? No, because it's not a Spotify song. It's TikTok. People are making videos from across the world who don't even speak the same language as me with this song. Yeah. And on TikTok and Instagram Reel. And it's just so cool. I've connected with this cat world of people who love cats. It's I was going to say, boy. it's funny the, the songs that you would think or the labels or the, the industry would think aren't relatable because they don't fit your mold or like super relatable <laughs> for everybody yeah. else. We all love our cats. We all love our dogs. We all love Saturday with the kitties. And, you know, yeah. like, that's what's yeah, relatable. You yeah, are relatable. It's being, yeah, it's being yourself. And I think all of this that we're talking about made me realize, like, I'm a songwriter. I love being an artist, but I'm a songwriter. Why am I not sharing these songwriter songs? And people mm-hmm. at radio with the last couple singles were like, oh, it's too personal. You can't talk about being pregnant as a female in this world. You know, y- you can't say what these things. What else are we supposed to talk <laughs> And I just said, but that's what I want to say. It's my story. And and during COVID, my, my husband and I, um, we, our wedding got postponed so many times that eventually we said, you know, let's just get married. We're sick of waiting. We don't know when COVID it'll be safe for people to travel mm-hmm. and gather in large numbers. We ended up getting married in an Elvis chapel with our cat as the cat of honor in a cat backpack. And we decorated with streamers and it, it was a sign that said cat of honor. And, and, and we got married by Elvis. You know, we still to this day have not had a wedding. And will I fit into my wedding dress after having a baby? I've cried about it. I'll be honest. I want to wear my damn wedding dress, but I don't think I'll be able to fit into it because it fit like a glove at that moment in time. Right. And we just said, we just said, we are so over letting life just throw curveballs at us and us just Mm -hmm. dodging to try to miss them. We're going to just, 
we're going to figure it out. So what we did was we told my family and friends, you know, we're getting married this day. We're going to the courthouse. We, that's what everyone thought. I said, we have a big surprise. We're streaming it live. You don't want to miss it. And people are going, what's your surprise? Like, what is it? And nobody knew. And so people were guessing, oh, tell me, tell me. I won't tell anyone. We wouldn't tell anybody. So this, the live stream went on and people are looking going, dang, that's a really nice courthouse. And all of a sudden we're standing there, we're dressed all cute in our, he had a white, my husband had a white uh, blazer on. I had this cute little party white dress and high heels. And, <laughs> and we said, here's a surprise. And we kind of went like this and out walks Elvis. And the whole family during like the darkest time of their lives during COVID where they're stuck in their houses, they can't go outside, they're wearing masks everywhere. It was the darkest time of their lives and ours too. And we thought, how can we make this memorable for everyone rather than just going to the courthouse? Let's make it fun and memorable for everyone who can't be here. My dad didn't walk me down the aisle and I didn't get a first dance and we didn't do any of that. So we said, let's make it fun. So we got married by Elvis with our cat and, and we made everyone's lives so happy for that you know, little blip because now they get to talk about it forever. We get to watch all these videos. And so if you're watching this, you can go to my website and, and all the videos are all there and the pictures and everything of us with our cat that are adorable to make you laugh, you know, right now. And so we've, the two of us have just been making the best out of situations. And I think when you say, what have you learned about yourself? It's that there's nothing that can keep you down. You know, there's just nothing because it's life is just what you make of it. And yeah, right now in this moment in time, I'm in a very tough spot trying to figure out how to recover from, you know, an emergency C-section and almost dying birthing my child, but, but I'm having this conversation with you and, and, and motivating other people to say like, it's, it's just not the end of the world. You can go get married at Elvis, you know, by Elvis at an Elvis chapel and put your cat in a backpack and, and take her for walks outside because life is just life, you know, and just, yeah. just, oh, yeah. just that, do it. That really is the pattern that we've seen here at Take Bootcamp and interviewing over 270 people. What we find is the people who are the most resourceful, the most adaptive, they're the people that heal. The people who are not resourceful, the people who are, are allowing the nose to interfere with their ability to move forward are the people who don't heal. And that's why this is such a beautiful story where you went from no to yes by being adaptive, by learning, by being resourceful and never letting anything stand in your way, including COVID and the darkness that come along with COVID, including all the illnesses that you had to overcome that could have prevented many people from having the confidence to have a child. You went from no yeah. to yes because you were resourceful. So I have one more request for you before I let Maria ask a final question for the podcast. And that is the next time you and your husband are creating the bag of all the words that you're going to use to uh, <laughs> write your future I know song, what you're going to say. Please make sure you put a word lime in that bag so that we can have another powerful song from you and your beautiful family. Uh, that can help to inspire people to learn how to move from no to resourcefulness and adaptiveness done so that they can heal as soon as you said that it's in my head i know exactly what i want to say because it's the same with my song little man i woke up in the middle of the night and had a, had the course in my head it was a mumble jumble of words but i knew i wanted to say um uh, i can't wait to hold you in my head I can't wait to meet you, little man. It was in my head, the melody, the everything. And I just said, oh, 
I've got to write that. And I wrote it down and I wrote it the next day. And it's the same thing. You just put it in my head. It's in my mind and I'm, I want to write it. All right. I can't wait to hear it. So we're yep. going to let Maria ask you the final question on this really beautiful interview with Tick Bootcamp. Yes. So I know we talked about living the moment and really balancing all of that. But if you could wave the magic wand in five years-ish, what would you see in your life? Do you see another baby? Do you see a music career thriving? Do you see healing? Yes. Good question. All of the above. <laughs> I do see healing. I see that, you know, I hope that I can make time for the healing because with a baby, it's very tough to make time. And I think yes. that healing doesn't happen overnight. And you can't just say, I want to heal and then go sit on the couch. You, mm-hmm. you got to work. And so I hope that yes. I will be healed by then and, you know, working towards a publishing deal um, in, in Nashville and, and, and sharing my songs and hearing other artists write my songs and, and watching my son grow up. And I hope he has a quirky, weird personality like me. And I hope that people call him weird because I enjoy being weird. You know, Mm -hmm. I like being weird. I hope everyone's weird. You know, I I like weird people. (laughs) I like weird people. The same thing is boring over and over, right? Yes. That's what I say. Yeah. So in five years, I hope that my son is a weird five-year-old and him and I get to just pull pranks on my husband all the time. I already have. I look at my son sometimes and I'm like, he just, dad, dad's going to have trouble with just us, wait. you know? So that's what I see. You know, I see music, I see family and, you know, we would love to have another child and, and. And for right now, I think the focus is the healing because can my body have another child? I don't know because what I went through um, was just so, so bad that would I want to knowingly do that again to myself when I know that it's going to be such a a long process to heal Mm -hmm. right now? I don't know, you know, because I want to be a good mom. And can I be a good mom to the child that I have now if I go down the road of being sick again? So we have conversations to have about that. And do I see a dog? Probably my cat yeah. is, a, is a cat dog hybrid. She likes to play fetch and oh, cute. squirrels. So she needs a, a real dog in her life. So Aww. we see a dog and, and I it. just see, you know, I just hope that the punches that life throws at us, we, we can, instead of dodging them, we can just take them on and, and just deal with them as they come and, and stay positive right? Because being positive is one thing, but staying positive is, mm. is another. It's a daily, it's a moment by moment choice that you're making. Yeah. And there's one quote that I, I wanted to share too, because um, before I came, came on this podcast today, I, I, I have a blog on my page that I shared a little bit about my Lyme disease journey. And, and I thought, man, I haven't read that in a while. I, I wonder what I said, because I, it would have been so long. So I reread it and I went, wow, I didn't even I didn't complain in it. I didn't say anything about any symptoms or any story of how I was diagnosed. Nothing. It was just this, like, I have this. And then that was the first paragraph. And the rest is all just this telling people to be positive and overcome it. And I'm thinking, wow, I didn't put any details or anything in there about Lyme disease. So I may go back and put some more details. So people who really are searching out help can get help as well as the motivation but mm-hmm. i found this one quote that that i hadn't even heard in years but it it says here it's my favorite quote so you know what <laughs> it's it is my favorite quote yeah. because i forgot about it when i was really <laughs> sick i used to write quotes on my mirror 
I used to put them on sticky notes and put them on my mirror so that I would see these like, you are strong, you are beautiful, you can overcome anything. And, oh, my phone's ringing, I'll stop that. And, and so this was one of the quotes that I used to have on my mirror. And so it says, you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. Mm, I don't know who said it, one. I don't know where I heard it, but it's my favorite. Think about that. Being strong is the only choice you have. So you're down in the dumps, you're sick, you don't know who to talk to, but you gotta be strong, right? Because what's the other option is, for some of us it is death, you know, sadly. And yeah, we can't, exactly. we can't go there. Not so what do you there. choose? What do you, you choose? choose? Life. Is it life or is it death? Just mm -hmm. choose life. Essentially, you know, that's be the strong. Yeah, yeah. It can be yeah. distilled down into that. What's so write that on your mirror. You know, do I'm what I did. Is put it, a, put it on a post-it note, <laughs> and right write here. it on your mirror. <laughs> write it on your mirror. I know? love that one. I am choosing life. And for anyone out there who needs to hear that, yeah, it probably wasn't just and me. You have no idea how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. Yeah. And 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 me telling the story about how I wrote Catterday in the hat, maybe have a hat and put a bunch of positive words into that hat and then a day and, and save it for a rainy day. But our rainy days are not physically rainy, mm -hmm. right? You don't look out and see rain. You feel rain, right? You yeah. It's a rainy day in your body. Next time you feel that way, maybe pull something out of a hat that says smile or I'm strong or I'm beautiful or, you know, I'm a mother. And, mm -hmm. and you pull these things out and you, you look at that and you think of that positive word. It sounds cheesy, but you know. No. One other thing I'm really learning from, from you, from this talk to, to close is learning. Cause like being positive and all, you know, you hear that all the time, but you don't hear how to make it fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because when you're, when you're sick or you're going through something like Lyme disease, it's, you have to, you try to be positive. It's a daily thing. You're working on it. And a lot of times mm -hmm. you're just sitting there working on it in your mind, or you maybe you write something down, but you have all these like fun, weird, weird, which, is the, <laughs> which to me is a great word. I love that word, you know, yeah. quirky, weird. I mean, that's, that's the best, but you're making it possible for, I feel like for some people to, to be positive, who can't be, to have a little jar where you yeah. write something nice about yourself. Yeah. I mean, I that mean, is it's really amazing. Is. The creativity that you had during your healing and during, you know, right now is something to take away from this conversation. And I, it's, and I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's really a perfect way to wind down our podcast. I can't mm -hmm. thank you enough, Leanne, for sharing your beautiful story and your family's beautiful story. And Marie, I can't thank you enough for uh, co-hosting with me on this beautiful episode of the Thick Boot Camp. Thank podcast. you. I had a great time. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with our guest, Leanne Pearson. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Leanne, please visit our Instagram page at Leanne Pearson. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of our Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of our post. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick by Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We are due to visit our website at tickbootcamp.com slash bite to view the blueprint. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. 
Fifth, if you'd like to search our podcast library of over 250 episodes for specific keywords, please visit tickbootcamp.com forward slash search. And finally, if you'd like to share feedback with us here at Tick Bootcamp, please use the contact form on our website or DM us on Instagram. Thank you as always for listening.